everyone, and welcome to the December 19th edition of WarComp Academy Weekly News. I'm Renee Folson, attorney with Floyd, Skarn & Kelly. Thanks for joining us today. Let's get started with our litigation report. 20 states have filed suit against six major drug makers for price fixing. The state authorities are accusing a group of generic drug makers of conspiring to keep the prices on generic medications artificially high. And the state attorneys general say the lawsuit filed in federal court in Connecticut may be just the beginning of a much larger legal action. However, California is not listed as one of the 20 state plaintiffs. The lawsuit alleges that the companies led by New Jersey-based drug maker Heritage Pharmaceuticals identified competitors and tried to reach agreements on how they could avoid competing for customers on price. Portions of the complaint are redacted in order to avoid compromising the ongoing investigations. But the backstory to the suit claims that prices for a large number of generic pharmaceutical drugs skyrocketed over the last couple of years. According to one report, the prices of more than 1,200 generic medications increased by an average of 448% between 2013 and 2014. Currently, the generic pharmaceutical industry accounts for approximately 88% of all prescriptions written in the United States. A recent survey of 1,000 members of the National Community Pharmacists Association found that more than 75% of the pharmacists surveyed reported higher prices on more than 25 generic drugs. Officials say the principal architect of the conspiracies addressed in the lawsuit is allegedly Heritage Pharmaceuticals. But they claim they have evidence of widespread participation in illegal conspiracies across the generic drug industry. And the states intend to pursue this and other enforcement actions aggressively. The other companies accused of price fixing were Arobindo Pharma USA Incorporated, Citron Pharmacy, Maine Pharma USA, Mylan Pharmaceuticals, and Tima Pharmaceuticals UA Incorporated. The complaint describes in detail drug company executives meeting at industry conferences and company-sponsored dinners where they would share information about the pricing. It alleges that to avoid having to lower prices, the companies would divvy up customers, such as pharmaceutical wholesalers, for example, rather than compete for the business. The state's lawsuit comes a day after the U.S. Justice Department filed criminal charges against Jeffrey Glazer, Heritage's former CEO, and Jason Malek, the company's former president. It accuses the two men of conspiring with companies to manipulate drug prices. The U.S. Supreme Court has cleared the way for the National Football League's $1 billion settlement of concussion-related lawsuits with thousands of retired players as it rejected a challenge brought by a small group of dissenters. The eight justices refused to hear an appeal of a lower court ruling upholding the settlement, which resolved litigation brought by players who accused the NFL of covering up information that tied head trauma to permanent brain damage. League officials have also taken steps to outlaw some of the game's most brutal hits and changed how they deal with players who suffer concussions during games. The settlement calls for payments of up to $5 million each to former players diagnosed with certain neurological disorders. 
but it does not address chronic traumatic encephalopathy, a condition that has purportedly been linked to concussions. A lawyer who helped negotiate the settlement said they will now receive much-needed care and support for the serious neurocognitive injuries they are facing. An NFL spokesman said the league is pleased that the Supreme Court has decided not to review the unanimous and well-reasoned decisions of the lower courts that approved the deal. The NFL will now work with lawyers for the players and the judge overseeing the settlement to provide the benefits that retired players and their families have been waiting to receive. Under the settlement, the NFL does not admit guilt. And critics say this settlement will leave most NFL players on the sidelines. One of the lawyers representing the dozens of retired players claims that many players diagnosed with CTE will get nothing. They also argued the deal unfairly favored currently injured retirees and left thousands of former players who have not yet been diagnosed with neurological diseases without a remedy. The California Attorney General announced that California, along with 42 other states and the District of Columbia, have reached a $19.5 million agreement with biopharmaceutical company Bristol-Myers Squibb. And $1.3 million of the overall settlement is headed for California. In 2009, the states launched a multi-state consumer protection investigation of Atsuka America Pharmaceutical, which manufactures Abilify, and Bristol-Myers Squibb, which is largely responsible for promoting the drug. Abilify is approved to treat schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, major depressive disorder, and Tourette's disorder in adults and children. But Bristol-Myers Squibb allegedly marketed its blockbuster drug to treat elderly patients with dementia and for unapproved uses on children. The complaint claims that Bristol-Myers promoted the drug off-label starting in 2002, and the drug had no clinical trials to establish its safety and efficacy for those uses. The complaint also alleges Bristol-Myers Squibb minimized and misrepresented risks, thereby making false and misleading representations about Abilify's risk. The company allegedly overstated the findings of scientific studies by not revealing limitations that would affect the interpretation of study results. Since its FDA approval in 2002, Abilify has been given to more than 24 million patients. It brought in more than $6.4 billion in revenues for Bristol-Myers and the manufacturers. And in April 2015, the FDA approved the first generic versions of Abilify. The company will now be prohibited from making false or misleading claims about Abilify, about its safety or efficacy in comparison with other drugs, and about the implications of clinical studies relating to the drug. The company will also be subject to limitations on financial incentives to sales representatives and healthcare providers. The WCAB has issued a number of panel-level decisions since SB 863 eroding the jurisdiction of the UR and IMR process for technical mistakes that were claimed to have invalidated the process. These cases favored handing the issue of appropriate medical care over to the work comp judge to decide. 
As a result, the UR-IMR seemed to be subjected to a slow death by a thousand such cuts. However, the trend of erosion of the UR-IMR jurisdiction may have suffered a setback at the hands of a June 2016 Court of Appeal published decision that has now been followed in at least one subsequent panel decision. In the precedent-setting case, Dorothy McGarris appealed the IMR determination to the Appeals Board. She argued that the IMR determination was invalid because Maximus failed to issue it within the 30-day time limit. The judge agreed that the IMR determination was issued 13 days late, but nevertheless found the determination was valid and binding on the parties. But he concluded that an untimely IMR determination does not confer jurisdiction on the workers' compensation judge to decide any medical treatment issues. But a majority of the three-member panel reversed, claiming a late IMR is invalid, leaving discretion to the work comp judge to decide medical issues. But in the end, the Court of Appeal intervened, disagreeing with the workers' WCAB and reversing in the published case of California Highway Patrol and the State Compensation Insurance Fund versus the WCAB in the Margaris decision. The Court of Appeal ruled that the 30-day time limit for IMR is directory and, accordingly, an untimely IMR determination is valid and binding upon the parties as the final determination of the administrative director. Now, shortly after Margaris was decided in June, the WCAB reviewed the case of Christopher Tiny versus the city of Montebello. Tiny sustained industrial injury to his right knee while employed by the city as a police officer. He sought reconsideration of the findings of the workers' compensation judge who found that the IMR in this case was untimely, but the untimely IMR determination was, did not convert, confer jurisdiction on the workers' compensation judge. Here, the panel did affirm that the WCAB has no authority to determine the treatment dispute. The time periods for completion of the IMR are directory, not mandatory, and the IMR determination in this case is valid and binding upon the applicant, even though it issued outside the time described in the statute. And now our crime report. An investigation into what is being billed as one of the largest workers' compensation insurance fraud schemes uncovered in the county of San Diego's history has swept up medical professionals throughout Southern California, and now consequences for Furman Iglesias, one of the involved cappers. According to prosecutors, a group of recruiters would entice workers, many of them seasonal workers who lived abroad at times, to file workers' compensation claims. The alleged recruiters were identified as Furman Iglesias and Carlos Arguello, who operated Providence Scheduling, Medic Solutions, Prime Holdings International, and Meridian Rehab Care, and the administrator Miguel Morales. They would allegedly advertise in the U.S. and Central America by way of flyers or cards stuck on windshields to contact a call center if a worker has been injured on the job and needed help filing a claim. The recruiters would then allegedly refer the patients to specific doctors in Southern California who would in turn prescribe certain medical tests and treatment, such as chiropractic care 
MRIs, pain management, echocardiograms, and even sleep studies to companies in return for kickbacks. Their bribes were usually $50 to $100 per patient. The treatment was then billed to various insurance companies, including Liberty Mutual and Hartford. Chiropractors would be required to fill a monthly quota of referrals or their patient pipeline and bribes would be cut off. In one instance, San Diego chiropractor Stephen Rigler was warned that he'd fallen $60,000 behind in referrals and that he'd be cut out of the operation unless he wrote the organization a check on the spot. Rigler has already pleaded guilty as well as San Diego workers' compensation attorney Sean O'Keefe. One of the clinics implicated is Crosby Square Chiropractic, where Ringler worked, which has offices in San Diego, Escondido, and Calexico. Other medical professionals indicted are chiropractors Amir Khan of Orange and David C. Nguyen of Huntington Beach, and pain management doctor Fong H. Tron of Irvine. Dr. Ronald Grust of Los Angeles was also charged federally last year and was also included in a new state indictment. And according to the Deferred Prosecution Agreement filed on December 8th in federal court, Furman Iglesias admitted the allegations of the indictment against him that he recruited and facilitated the recruitment of workers' compensation applicants for legal and medical services. He admitted he controlled and operated multiple entities, including Providence Scheduling, MedEx Solutions, Meridian Medical Resources, and Meridian Rehab Care and Prime Holdings. Iglesias further admitted that a purpose of the conspiracy was to fraudulently obtain money from insurers by submitting claims for medical goods and services that were secured through an unlawful cross-referral scheme. And Iglesias admitted that he received kickbacks and bribes from providers of diagnostic imaging services, including Dr. Ronald Grust and others. Iglesias further admitted that the scheme involved multiple doctors and that the total criminal conduct exceeded $9.5 million in claims to health care insurance providers. Iglesias, his company MedEx, Prime Holdings International, and Meridian further agreed that the gross income derived from this corrupt cross-referral scheme exceeded $5 million. Charges against Dr. Ronald Grust, M.D., are still pending in federal court. The trial date was set for January 24, 2017, but it has now been vacated. According to the court records, the discovery produced by the United States to date in the Grust case consists of multiple gigabytes of data. And now the criminal defendants retained a new counsel, who made his first court appearance on October 11 and claims he needed more time to prepare. The California Medical Board reports that the Superior Court has issued an order effective March 14, 2016 that Dr. Grust no longer practice medicine pending the outcome of criminal charges in state court against him. AB 1244 will adversely affect the ability of the medical providers who may have filed liens for the collection of fees from recovering additional funds after January 1. Quest Diagnostics announced that it is investigating an unauthorized intrusion into an Internet application on its network. 
and the company provide notice to individuals whose accounts have been affected. Quest annually serves one in three adult Americans and half the physicians and hospitals in the United States and has 43,000 employees. Last November, an unauthorized third party accessed the MyQuest by Care 360 internet application and obtained protected health information of approximately 34,000 individuals. The access data included name, date of birth, lab results, and in some instances, telephone numbers. But the information did not include social security numbers, credit card information, insurance, or other financial information. However, Quest says there is no indication that individuals' information has been misused in any way. Quest is taking steps to prevent similar incidents from happening in the future and is working with a leading cybersecurity firm to assist in investigating and further evaluating the company's systems. Quest Diagnostics has notified affected individuals by mail and established a dedicated toll-free number to call with questions regarding this incident. In February 2015, Anthem made history when more than 78 million of its customers were hacked. It was the largest healthcare breach ever, and it opened the floodgates on a landmark year. According to the Office of Civil Rights, under health, uh, under health and Human Services, more than 113 million medical records were compromised in 2015. And this year will be a record breaker for hacking. Federal law requires the HHS secretary to post a list of breaches of unsecured protected health information affecting 500 or more individuals. These breaches are now posted online in a new, more accessible format that allows users to search and sort the posted breaches. This HHS list shows 297 health information data breaches in 2016 as of early December. Noteworthy, in 2016, California hacks included Kaiser Permanente Health Plan of both Northern and Southern California. It reports being hacked on November 11, 2016 as a result of unauthorized access of a network server. And the USC Keck and Norris Hospitals also reported a network server hack on September 21, 2016. And in regulatory news, the DWC issued its Notice of Emergency Regulatory Action to implement the provider suspension process required under Assembly Bill 1244. AB 1244 adds Labor Code Section 139.21, which requires the Administrative Director to promptly suspend any physician, practitioner, or provider from participating in the workers' compensation system if that individual has been convicted of any felony or misdemeanor involving fraud or abuse of the medical program, Medicare program, or workers' compensation system, or if that individual's license, certificate, or approval to provide health care has been surrendered or revoked, or if that individual has been suspended for fraud or abuse from participating in the Medicare or Medicaid programs. 
The workers' compensation suspension becomes effective after 30 days after a written notice is sent to them unless the physician, practitioner, or provider stays a suspension by requesting a hearing within 10 days. The emergency regulations will be filed with the state's Office of the Administrative Law by the end of December. Upon the OAL approval and filing with the Secretary of State, the regulations are effective for 180 days while the division initiates formal rulemaking procedures to adopt permanent regulations. A notice will be posted on the DWC website when the emergency regulations become effective. The DWC Administrative Director ordered that the durable medical equipment, prosthetics, orthotics, supplies portion of the official medical fee schedule be adjusted to conform to changes to the medical payment system that were adopted by CMS for calendar year 2017. The update includes changes identified in CMS change request number 9854. Effective for services rendered on or after January 1, 2017, the maximum reasonable fees for medical durable equipment, prosthetics, orthotics, and supplies shall not exceed 120% of the applicable California Medicare fees revised for January 2017. <clears throat> Where the column sets forth a fee for a code, but the code is listed as zero, the fee shall not exceed 120% of the California fee regardless of whether the injured worker's address zip code is rural or non-rural. The order adopting the adjustment can be found on the DWC website. The DWC has also announced the decrease of the mileage rate for medical and medical legal travel expenses by one half cent to 53 and a half cents per mile, effective January 1. This rate must be paid for travel on or after January 1, 2017, regardless of the day of injury. The California Labor Code, in conjunction with the Government Code and the Department of Personnel Administration regulations, establishes the rate payable for mileage reimbursement for medical and medical legal expenses, and it ties to the Internal Revenue Service calculation. The Internal Revenue Service issued the 2017 standard mileage rates used to calculate the deductible costs of operating an automobile on December 13. The mileage rate is based on an annual study of the fixed and variable costs of operating an automobile. There's been a steady decrease in mileage reimbursement rates since the 2015 rates, which were 57.5 cents per mile. The decreases are largely the result of lower fuel costs nationwide. The updated mileage reimbursement form is posted on the DWC website. And in medical news, Express Scripts, the largest pharmacy benefits manager in the United States, said drug price inflation would likely be restrained going into 2017 and that close federal and state scrutiny into pricing strategies was here to stay. As a result, the company claims drug price inflation will unlikely represent will likely represent a significant headwind in 2017. These comments come at a time when drug pricing is a hot political topic in the United States. 
Prescription benefit managers negotiate drug benefits for health plans and employers and have, in recent years, taken an increasingly aggressive stance in price negotiations with drug makers. They often extract discounts as well as aftermarket rebates from drug makers in exchange for including their medicines in the formularies with low copayments. And the Fitch Ratings Outlook on the healthcare sector sees high levels of event risk due to regulatory and political uncertainty. The rating agency also noted the issues involved in the drug price debate. Fitch said some drug manufacturers' practice of taking advantage of supply dislocations to increase prices on established products is not a defensible business model in the long term. Fitch said companies that launch truly innovative new drugs will continue to command pricing power. While most U.S. stocks rallied over the post-election weeks, Shares of biotechnology and pharmaceutical companies retreated after President-elect Donald Trump vowed to crack down on drug prices. Last week, the allergen chief executive touched on the delicate politics of drug pricing at a healthcare industry conference in New York City. He said the drug pricing issue is a populist issue and that President-elect Trump will jump on the next EpiPen scandal and tweet against any company that does something like that. And with that story, that is all of our news and events for this week. Please check our website daily for news updates, past editions of our news, and much, much more. And remember, you can subscribe to our weekly news podcasts and special reports using your iPhone, iPad, iPod, or Android device by searching for the WorkComp Academy with your podcast software. Again, I'm Renee Foles, an attorney with Floyd, Skarin, and Kelly. Thanks for joining us today, and please drop by again next week for more news.